Welcome to Popcorn for One, your fortnightly film podcast. Grab your popcorn and sit comfortably, be it at home, on the sofa, in your bed, at a friend's, at your local independent cinema or at your multiplex IMAX. We're here to celebrate all film and fandom and everything in between. From the past and the classics to the weird in the now to the future of cinema. We're here, and so is Cinema Club 2024, to help you through the next 12 months of unbelievable movie magic. It is Wednesday, the 21st of February 2024. Welcome to Popcorn for One, your fortnightly film podcast. Although this is a weekly episode this time and it is the BAFTA special. Yes, it is. <sighs> you ready, besties, for something that should in theory be short but takes forever? This is what you've got this week for this special episode. We're going to start off by doing the BAFTA predictions, which I did way before, well, a few days before the BAFTAs happened. Um, did it about a week ago, actually. So, yeah, it is. A, yeah, so I did properly predict them. So I did the BAFTA predictions. Then we will do the rundown for the week. There is no big review this episode um, because we talk about BAFTAs for a while. Um, and honestly there is nothing that I thought well, I only had one trip to the cinema and it was something that didn't need the four eight minutes worth of chat about so I just thought you know what everything else can have a bit more time and we will talk in detail about most of the films within that on there um, then we've got some uh, news to talk about that happened in the last fortnight if you know me you know exactly what news we're about to talk about um, then we're going to go and look at how the A to Z of physical media is getting on then we're going to look at exactly what you you've all been watching the last week at home and at the cinema and then we are going to talk about the BAFTA's red carpet and the awards and the ceremony in total. That is what's going to happen this episode. God help you when we get to the Oscar one because I'm looking at the time length that I've done this and I've tried to keep this short <laughs> so then I could do that hence everything's been put within the one thing. I know that I had I've got the distraction halfway through and I've done the prediction but yeah the Oscars episode it's gonna be long <laughs> so let's crack on and let's get on with the BAFTA special I am now going to try I say try and predict the BAFTAs um this is actually quite hard I don't usually do this but I thought I would try it for once mainly because the BAFTAs either go one of three ways they either mirror exactly to the C as to what the Academy are going to do and it's boring and predictable or they go completely left field and give it to something that's not going to win anything at all or they go down the British route and I'm not sure what we're going to do this year um, because there's various different things that um, can be brought into play with this so we're going to try and predict it um, we're mainly going to do the main ones and not the littler ones. Um, so that's that. Um, but yeah, um, this is my predictions as of 5.30 on the 17th of February. So the BAFTAs will be starting at this point um, tomorrow actually happening. Um, obviously, we don't get to watch them until 7 o'clock. I've had a load of people actually in the last week moan about, why do the BAFTAs start at a weird time? Why aren't they live why do we have this why is there editing blah, 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 blah. and i've never understood that but as someone that's always watched BAFTAs and it's always been like that it's kind of normal <laughs> um so um apologies um yeah i have to mute it when i get up tomorrow at about no when i when i get home from my parents after watching the football tomorrow i'll be muting the BAFTAs until after i've watched it and then i'll unmute it so anyway carpet outfits that happen between four and six i won't see so it's always very weird, but I get it. Anyhow, um, predictions. Um, e Rising Star Award is the only one voted for by public. It will go to Jacob Elroyd um, for the fact that he was in Saltburn. No offense to be up for, but it will entirely go to him because that is the way for that. Um, 
I'm not going to do British short animation or writer and director, but I believe that the um, outstanding British film um, they are likely to give to All Us Strangers, um, especially as um, Andrew Scott's not been nominated, absolutely travesty, but it's not. The only other thing I can give it to is Zone of Interest, but usually this goes to something that has caught the British public's imagination. There's a possibility it could go to Saltburn, but I'm pretty sure it's going to All of Us Strangers. Um, we are not going to do um, visual effects, sounds, editing, all that stuff. Um, casting, I am pretty sure will um, also go to all of us strangers. It was weird that Oppenheimer wasn't in there, but I'm pretty sure that that's going to be the case there. Um, <coughs> sorry. It could go to Kinders of Flammer. Again, this all depends on which way BAFTA want to go. Um, film not in the English language. Um, because they're both up for what's it? It could be Anatomy of Four or Zone of Interest. In fact, it could be any of those ones. I'm, I'm pretty sure they will give it to Anatomy of the Fall. Um, now in BAFTA, um, if we give it to Zone of Interest, we're giving ourselves a BAFTA, um, which is a bit weird, but that is the case. Um, the animated film, I think they are going to go for um, Dawn of Nugget, um, because it's a British film, it's Chicken Run, it's Ardman, they're going to do that. Um, again, this is the one that's probably actually going to be the furthest away from the Oscars. Uh, the other three are up for the Oscar as well, but... We will see what happens there. Um, adapted screenplay, they will probably go for Oppenheimer and original screenplay. I am pretty sure they are going to go for the holdovers. Um, supporting actress um, should be a given for Divine Joy Rudolph for the holdovers. However, knowing BAFTA and knowing how they love to um, give stuff to people, um, for being British and their longevity, there is a chance it could go to Claire Foy or Emily Blunt. Um, I'm not sure it would go to Rosamund Pike, um, but I'm pretty sure they will stick to what is actually meant to happen with Devine Joy Randolph winning Best Supporting Actress. Same with Best Supporting Actor. Um, I've been saying this since July. It's Robert Downey Jr.'s. There's no way anyone else is winning it. The only person that could possibly win it would be Paul Meskel. Um, so, yeah. <sighs> he could win it because um, they've not given a nomination to Andrew Scott. So, yeah. Um, best Needing Actress. Um, I think BAFTA's going to go rogue here and not give it to uh, Emma Stone. Um, I know that Lily Gladstone, her main opposition isn't here. Um, but I also don't think we're going to give it to Margot Robbie. I think we're going to give it to Sandra Hula for Anatomy of the Fall. Do not ask me why. I just think that's the left field thing that BAFTA would do. The only other option that I see being left field for BAFTA would be to give it to Kerry Mulligan. Um, her performance is amazing in Maestro, um, but I'm pretty sure they'll give it to Sandra Hula. Um, best lead actor. Now. Hmm. I've seen all of these. <laughs> yeah, I finished. Um, I watched Wrestling last night, which you've probably heard me talk about or I'm about to talk about. Um, so I've seen all of these. Um, and I'm still going to sit here and go, what the fuck did Zach Efron not get nominated for an Oscar? Um, but it is a two horse race in theory between uh, Paul Giamatti and Killian Murphy. Now, Killian Murphy, for six, no, for five of the six seasons, he was in Peaky Blinders and was the lead as Tommy Shelby and was in BAFTA and was doing all of that, was nominated once and didn't win the BAFTA. Um, he won the Irish BAFTA and the Scottish BAFTA and the Arts BAFTA and everything else for Tommy Shelby, but actual proper BAFTA has never given Killian Murphy the respect and the due that he gets. So this will also be quite telling because... At the moment, I'm pretty sure with three weeks ago that Jim Matty's winning the Oscar. Um, he does a brilliant performance, but so does Killian. And it is literally... <laughs> so, over the last couple of years, they've got Best Actor a little bit weird. So, really would surprise me if Barry Keoghan stood up and went, Hi, I've won another BAFTA, happy days. Especially after last year when he won um, Best Supporting Actor for The Banshees. I remember they gave um, Best Actor to Austin Butler for Elvis. I was like, hang on, what the, what the dickens? So, 
yeah, there's lots that Bafta could do there within that. Um, I don't. I'd love them to give it to Killian. I don't think they will. I'm pretty sure it will go to Paul. Um, could go to the guy from Past Lives. I think it's weird that the guy from Past Lives is up for Best Actor, but she's not up for Best Actress. That's very weird. But, oh, well. Best Director, um, unless they want to go for um, Andrew Haig for All of Us Strangers or as a left field thing, it is going to go to Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer because he's won all of them. So let's not even discuss that. Um, best Film, I... Right now, I'm saying BAFTA are giving it to Oppenheimer. However, I think there is a chance that they might give it to Anatomy of the Fall. Also, it's very weird, but everything else has got six nominees and this has only got five. I think I said that when we did the, what's actually up for anything. Um, the other nominees, um, the other nominees for Best Film are Anatomy of the Fall, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. It should go to Oppenheimer if they're being boring and predictable, but if they're being wacky and BAFTA, it will go to Anatomy of the Fall. Yeah, um, outstanding contribution to cinema is going to June Giovanni and Samantha Morton is getting the BAFTA Fellowship, which is our highest honour, which will be the last award of the night, which the rest of the world will go, what the fuck is this award? Why is that Best Picture the main one? So, yeah. And also David Tennant's hosting it and it should be rather fabulous. So, yeah, that is what is happening. That is what I predict is going to happen at the BAFTAs. I could get it completely wrong. As I said, it all depends on which way BAFTA want to go with their weirdness. Do we want to go predictable, weird, or holy crap? Because <laughs> it could do any of the three, and it's always interesting to see. It's, as a film fan, it's like, oh, okay, because sometimes that does distort your opinion on the Oscars. And, you know, suddenly there's a lot of hype, and you think, oh, okay, this is going to win, that's going to win, duh, duh, duh. but we will see, we'll find out, and it will be an interesting evening and hopefully everyone will look very fabulous. Also, um, June premiere happened this week. Um, my friend who I met in London, finally I met her in real life. Ah, um, she tried to get uh, pictures of Florence and Zendaya and Timothy, so I'm pretty sure they will all be knocking about at the BAFTAs this weekend, um, looking rather fabulous and being all like, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes down. Um, but yeah, that's tomorrow. So those are my predictions and Let's see how many I get right. It is time for the rundown. We have watched one, two, three, four, five, six films in the last week. You are getting no big review this week. Instead, you're getting the BAFTAs at the end of it. So I'm going to have an actual bit more of a longer talk to you about some of these right now because... I had one cinema trip and it didn't deserve the full eight-minute spiel. And there are other things that I watched which I'd like to go into a bit more detail. So this may take a while. So, yeah. Started off um, watching Robin Hood, the animated one with a fox on Disney+. Plus Because why not? <laughs> um, hadn't seen it in a while. Um, it was sweet. It was background noise. Um, the songs are good. Um, and I love the fact that Hiss has got elbows. He is a snake. Yeah. It's actually quite dark as well. You know, we're going to hang for Iron Tuck. And, you know, it's all about friends. Yeah, do your taxes, I guess, at a young age. But. There's parts of it that are really badly animated, like you can see where they've rubbed bits out, which I get the point. It was made in the late 60s for the early 70s, so, you know. And there's so much of it that is reused from other films, so I've clearly rubbed out blue or I've put someone else in there. Um, an Aristocat later one was drawn into one dance and something else. So it is one of the films where it is the most reused or it is then used in other films, part of Disney within the 60s, 70s to early 80s period before it got to the Renaissance, um, which started um, with Little Mermaid and their revival. So, yeah, that's it was it was fun. The songs to make you Prince John, the phony king of England. Yeah, so that was that. Then I watched Retribution. It was a Sky Cinema exclusive movie. It is Liam Neeson. Um, being Liam Neeson but not being Liam Neeson. Does that make sense? Because, you know, if I say that Liam Neeson is in a film called Retribution, you're full on expecting him to be like, ah. 
Liam Neeson, because it's only recent, it only came out in like um, November. It was meant to come out in cinemas, it didn't. In the end, it just came out on Sky Cinema instead. Um, Liam Neeson um, is some sort of stockbroker or sales analyst, and he's forgotten that he's got to take his kids to school. And they get in the car, and he gets a phone call about fifteen minutes into his car drive, which is a separate car. Um, after his brand new car's gone, come up with a load of warnings like, oh, I've got to take it to the dealership. And he gets a phone call that says, if you or your kids try and get out of the car, I will blow it up. You need to do jobs like this. And it basically is like a modern day version of phone book, but everyone dies around him. Um, and his kids are in the back of the car and one of them, he forcibly got into the car. So then it's like, oh God, what, what have you done, dad? And things go off and people die and things explode everywhere and he's set up as a victim and it's about the police and about whether he's seen this one person or the other and all sorts of stuff goes down and it is very, very predictable in what's going to happen near the end especially when a certain thing has happened with that oh, okay and also um there's a point where he goes into a tunnel and he loses his phone signal because he goes in a tunnel and he's like oh i can't speak to the guy we're just like well no no one can because we've stopped all phone signal what did he not even think about stopping earlier when he first lost the phone signal and how did that guy realize hang on every single phone is not working in this area for so many miles so <sighs> it was i remember the end of it it's just like oh, okay he kind of worked out where it was gonna go but it was just like oh, that's predictable and yeah <sighs> don't watch it if you want to watch Liam Neeson being Liam Neeson watch a taken film definitely don't watch this. I know that he's Liam Neeson and you expect certain things or men to do certain things, but it's just a bit like he was doing it by the numbers. Also, his wife was um what's her face? Um Miss Honey from the original Matilda, which I always think is funny whenever I see her and everything because in my head being a six-year-old, she's always Miss Honey from Matilda, even though you know she's been in other stuff and I've seen her in other stuff as well, but it's just like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> yeah. Then I went to the cinema and I saw Bob Marley One Love. Um, now, considering that there is a standard way of doing a musical biopic, which they are very in, everyone loves doing them, and because unfortunately we've now had some legends that have passed, um, it's quite easy to go back and get some blessings from people to do their lives. And you're like, oh, okay, yeah, this is this and that is that. That being said, there was a jamming session in this film and there was maybe two more proper songs in it, maybe three. And that was it. I was expecting it to be a lot more about that. And then when we were talking about um, the fact that, because it was set during um, when Jamaica were basically having a civil war and he fled to London. Um, when we were talking about that, I was expecting him to have a lot more of conflict going on in his head, but it was more of a case of, um, oh, I think this, or I think that, and, uh, and yes, then you find out that he's ill. And blah, blah. But I was grateful at the end that it didn't go into the standard iconic performances that all these biopics tend to have. You know, um, Aretha Franklin had a big song, Whitney did. Um, obviously, Freddie did Live Aid Freddie um, in Bohemian Rhapsody is the, um, set out for the rest of them. Um, and, you know, Elvis has his moment where he does all of his singing in Elvis at certain points, and there's a couple of longer bits where it's like, oh, okay. But this was just like, hmm, okay, we've not got that. But, yeah, now, then what? It was just like, oh, and then he died. That's not a spoiler. Bob Marley's dead. <laughs> um, he died a long time ago. Um, but I could see where I'm coming from. It just wasn't filled with the love and the appreciation that I thought they should have for the man. I do not know enough about Bob Marley's music. However, I was expecting to learn more about why they made the music like that and why they did this and that. I just listen. I didn't feel more connected to her. I felt more connected watching the trailer for the Amy Winehouse documentary than I did for the entire nearly two hours of watching Bob Marley. Yeah. So it was a bit of a letdown. I'm sorry. It wasn't. It wasn't for me. I'm glad I've seen it, but it wasn't for me. I'm sure there will be people that come out of that cinema and go, oh, wow. Oh, nah. nah, it wasn't. Nah, not for me. 
Um, then I watched Rustin. Um, it, so other than Anatomy of a Fool, this is the only one I'm missing um, out of the major um, acting award nominees for um, Best Picture, Best Actress, all of that lot. Um, and Anatomy of a Fool is going to be really hard to get a hold of. I am going to have to beg my sister, can I come watch it? Um, so because of um, Common Domingo's up for um, Best Actor in this. Um, couldn't take Chris Rock being serious seriously. Um, I know he's an actor and everything, you should be able to do that, but I just couldn't. Um, but Coleman gave some absolutely brilliant performances. Uh, performance, um, you really felt for him and about how not just civil rights, but um, gay rights as well were perceived at the time. Um, um, what happened to people, uh, especially uh, especially black gays. Um, but it was, you just sat there just, oh no, why? Why um, I'm also very glad that Martin Luther King was was prominent in it, but wasn't prominent enough that it then became the film, which also then has another "I Have a Dream" speech in it. Um, and it there were a lot of meetings. There was a lot of oh, maybe it doesn't help that I am a white British female and not a black male American. Um, so. Or, li or lived through that era. Obviously, I studied it in history. I have actually know quite a bit about this, so I was really interested to see how it was going to be portrayed in the film. Um, the whole, oh, what can you give me for my campaign money? Here's five dollars. What will that do? That will get you onto a bus to then get enough support to then get you to the next four cities to then get you home. <laughs> that was their budget. And, you know, the fact that there were some people that just didn't want to talk to him, didn't have time for it. And, you know, it was going from one day to no days to two days to, is this bus turning up? Are these people turning up? Is this phone going to ring? Is that going to happen? There was so much going on within it and it was really well done. I really thought they did a very good job of it. And I'm very glad that I have now watched that. Um, and, yeah, he does deserve his um, Oscar nomination. So now I have seen all five of our leading males. Um, where the fuck is Zac Efron? Um, I'm sorry, Bradley Cooper, but where the fuck is Zac Efron? I'm in theory I should be sitting there going, where the fuck is Andrew Scott? But I live in a real world, so I can't say that. So where the fuck is Zac Efron? Because Zac Efron's been robbed of his nomination. He's not going to win because there's... Um, it's clearly um, a two-horse race between uh, Paul and Killian, and it all depends on which way they go. Um, but Zac Efron deserved his Night of the Oscars for that performance because it was unbelievable. So, yeah, Brad Cooper, no, Zac Efron, yes. Then I was sitting here on Saturday night and I didn't know what to watch. I was just going through the TV. I was like, oh, I could do this, I could do that. Also, since when have Amazon Prime added... Um, that was going to be adverts in your movies when you watch more Amazon Prime. I'm sorry. I, I Actually, no, I shouldn't say this. I don't play for Amazon Prime. My parents let me borrow their Amazon Prime because there's quite often tennis and football on there that I want to watch. <laughs> um, and when they moved house to start with, they didn't have um, any internet. So quite a lot of football was on Prime. So they came around here and watched it on my TV <laughs> um, on Prime, which was quite weird. Um, so that did that um but yeah that was some of it so i was like mm, hang on so i've got to warn my parents because i think i actually cancelled the warning so i might have to tell them that but there's now adverts on prime which is actually transferred anyhow so i ended up looking on now tv and i was going through things and i was going through their box sets and so like, i've got time to do something or watch something to pay attention to it so i watched and tweeted along to the lord of the rings and the fellowship of the ring I watched The Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, when I was 15 on a school bus coming back from Cornwall. Um, and obviously, when the school bus come back from Cornwall, you sometimes lose signal. It was on TV thing, we all had headphones and did that. And someone, uh, the, the, the main geography teacher went, oh, you want to watch film? I'll watch this with you. And he fell asleep after. So I was like, this is great. Not only am I now watching Lord of the Rings, but I've got the geography teacher sleeping next to me on the bus. Great so yeah um it was we had 10 minutes of exposition then it started then we had the introduction then we had some drama then we had like a flash forward then we had a flashback we got four seconds of Gollum Sean Bean turns up at one hour and seven minutes in and dies two hours 37 minutes in 
not sure how many times he said no, bastards throughout it, but he said it a lot. Um, Vigo is good. Orlando is all right, but he's far too keen. Those hobbits are far too like, eh. There are some bits which is like, oh, now we're here for the advert for New Zealand. And there's some bits where you're looking at it and you're like, you're in New Zealand, you're in a studio in New Zealand somewhere. You were great. You're a green screen. Yeah, it's not there. Um, it is all about Sir Ian McKellen, but Sir Ian McKellen is like your little um, helping checkpoint throughout your video game. Turn up to you like, hi, I'm here to give you exposition, randomly give you a help and beat this person up and do that. Um, understand that there is stuff in it which is now used regularly in so many movies you know the cgi army coming at people the bits of it was like okay but yeah they've taken that we've put that in game of thrones and yeah this is this and that is that um but there was a point at about one hour 50 50 ish between one hour 50 and two hours and 10 well i was sitting there i was watching i was like i'm a little bit bored and I was like, okay, no. yeah, this this isn't doing it for me at the moment. And but, but I knew we had a big epic finale where everyone died at the end. I was just like, oh, okay. Um, we also had a snow avalanche which everyone survived. Um, and it was just like, oh. <sighs> I will now. I know they're on now TV, and that is, I think that's the longest one. I don't have the like extended director's final cut with the extra patch on the extra hour in it. I don't have that. But now I know I've got through that one, I think I can get through the next two because I think the next one is two and a half hours long, and I think the third one is two hours 40, which is the same amount of time as No Time Tonight. So I can do that. <laughs> um, but I'm not sure I can do the Hobbits because Hobbits are far too happy. Um, also, those other two random Hobbits, it's like, oh, okay. And is Frodo in a relationship with Sam? That's a genuine question. Is Frodo in a relationship with Sam? I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. Um, I know that I have to take that ring to uh, Mordor to set fire to it and have everything go kaboom and save the world. But it's just, okay. <sighs> I'm glad I've seen it. I'm glad I've seen it again. I know it's been a long time and it's been a long time coming for you guys as well. But um we will we will get to them. Um my plan, I'm not sure how I think I've got now TV for another couple of months, so I probably actually will watch them on Saturday nights because I have time on a Saturday night. I'll have dinner, I'll sit there and I'm like Lord of Rings <laughs> and then they're done. Does that make sense? It does to me, so that is my plan. And then my final film of the week. Um, I was sat here and I was like, eight set of movies. And when I tell my sister what my options were for you, she's like, you can't have that many. So I went through more. She's like, 100% guarantee. I'm like, no, I'm going to try everything within my power not to. I failed and I watched The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent as my you. I'm sorry. I needed some sunshine. I needed some Herbie G. Um, I needed to sit there and not watch Panther 2 straight afterwards, which I did. Not saying that I won't watch it now, but <laughs> um, yeah. It's just about it starts off with Connor and it's so random and it's so insane. And I love the fact that it echoes exactly what happens within the film and the acts and what's going on in the story. It's, it's batshit fucking crazy but i love the fanboy room and i love oh, i love his curls i really do i love your curls pedro that hair the hair he's given at the moment is i know it's going to be joel i know it's about to all be dyed backwards and slicked into joel's hair but when it's just loose and fluffy at the moment it's so heavy g heavy 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 I still don't like fake Nicolas Cage, um, the imaginary one. He freaks me out a little bit. Um, but no, I just needed some sunshine on my Sunday night after a BAFTAs. Could have easily put on a Killian Murphy or a Nolan film, but I just thought... does mean that when we get to W, we will not be doing Wonder Woman 1984 because I've done two Pedro Pascal films um, within my age as of physical media, and I promised myself before I started I'd only do one thinking I was, I, it was either going to be Prospect or Wonder Woman 1984, and now we've done two, and we've not got to Wonder Woman 1984. Um, so, yeah. 
That's it. That's the not the A to Z. That's the rundown for the for, for the week done. Considering it was six films, it took a while. But as I said, you get no big review this for this episode um, because um, we're going to be talking about BAFTAs for quite a while. So that is why. Um, so yeah, hopefully out of those six films, there's something in there that you enjoy or that you'd like to watch. Um, yeah, next episode there probably will be two review. There might be three big reviews, um, because of stuff that I've booked up. Um, so, and actually, what I saw yesterday um, was is worth talking about for a little while. So, who knows how many reviews are going to get next episode? So, yeah, that was a rundown. Hopefully, you've heard something there that you'd like to listen to. And yeah, happy watching, peoples. I know this is a BAFTA special. I do. However, it's just been announced about three hours ago while I was at work. I've been had a mild panic at work. I was busy going, like, oh, I've got to be calm, I've got to be calm, I'll still be working, I can't be seeing this, this is a fake. This is actually quite weird because um, you're all right now listening to my episode from last week <laughs> on the 14th um, because that's what today is. Today is the 14th of February. It is Valentine's Day and we all got a very nice Valentine's Day present of the fact that they announced the casting for Fantastic Four. Oh my god, 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 yeah. Oh, I, it's, it's one of those things where I am extremely excited and I'm really looking forward to it, but I'm also a little bit bittersweet. Uh, so for people that don't know, the people that are going to be in Fantastic Four are Joseph Quinn, Evan Mossback, uh, Vanessa Kirby and Pedro Pascal, which is why this is on here. Because for a while now, I have been talking about this before it was even a rumour that he might be, but I've always thought that Pedro Pascal would be the perfect Doctor Doom. Mm. So also, I am truly excited. I am excited, but I'm also not looking forward to it, but I'm also very excited. Because... At the moment, Marvel hit it out the park and then fail and then go. And then they hit it out the park and then they fail and then they go. And knowing that they're going to hit it out the park with Deadpool, they can't get Deadpool incorrect, especially after the Super Bowl with the Super Bowl trailer, um, which was pretty cool. Although this is going a little bit sidetracked here, um, Super Bowl trailers. Um, was full on expecting a Deadpool one, which was like, yay. Um, then was like, why does Ariana Grande look really weird and wicked? Not Cynthia Envia as um, Elfie, um, but wicked look good. But the one I was most sold on was Twisters. That looks so cool. <laughs> um, but anyhow, so that's what the trailers look super well. But tangent. Um, but yeah, I was sitting there, I was watching Deadpool and I'm like, that's clear, that's a banker. It's gonna well, it's the only marvel film we actually get this year um a proper marvel film so yeah um so we then have a wait before we get to next year's batch um which will be in the january february time and then the summer one is fantastic for which is also a very short turnaround um to do it um because they've not started filming yet because as of yesterday 13th, I started filming The Last of Us season two and possibly three at the exact same time. So that's why our man has had some very long, luscious looks of curls recently because Joel's got to have the hair. So we've all been looking forward to that. Um, we're also not looking forward to it. This is very much a conversation we're having at the moment with Pedro. Um, conversations that of we're looking forward to films that he's going to be in but we're also then not looking forward to him because of either what's meant to be or what's likely to happen to him and it's like so so yeah I'm a little bit worried that this might fall under the section however and also because i wanted him as doctor who doom do i see him as a reed richards i don't know um but 
he will give it his all. And so will Vanessa Kirby. So even if the script is bad or average and the um, CGI is rushed because they're not filming it. Yep. It's meant to come out in July. Remember, he's being Joel. Then he's going to voice over Mando and do some bullets for Mando. And then he's going to do this. God knows when he's going to do anything else. Um, but it feels like it's too rushed that it's July. So unless he's already been secretly filming it and we don't know, um, it does feel a bit of a like, we're going to get this done. Is this... I don't think he has filmed it because he's hurt himself and he was doing Gladiator up until the end of it. So this is also a good way of Disney keeping him in his contract to make sure he does turn up on set for Mando. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I am ridiculously looking forward to it and I will now say for well, but I will go and see this film twice in the cinema. Once to watch it as an actual film and go, oh, okay, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And one is for Pedro. <laughs> um, we've already had that discussion. We've also had a look at the poster. And it looks like it's very 1960s based. So are they a variant? Especially after the Deadpool trailer that we just had, where they're variants within that. Um, so are they a variant? Or have they got lost in time? Or did they do something to do with a space mission on a different planet in the future? And then have ended up here as a result of what happened at the end of Marvels? <sighs> There's lots of different possibilities to come within that. I think Deadpool's going to set off a massive catalyst in his film, especially if it, well, we know it's got Wolverine in it and Jackman, so we all know that it's going to affect all of that. So it could be linked to all of that, that very different variants of that. And it could be that very just a one-off about the actual real um, Reed um, Storms and Ben are actual different people also i can't wait to find out who they get to do dr doom we better get a dr doom please um i have read somewhere today that ben mendelson said he'd like to be dr doom ben mendelson's already been in two mcu projects he's been um talos in captain marvel and secret invasion um i know most of the time he is by green and all of that but it, he can do Weirder things have happened within the MCU, but that would be a very much a... Okay. Be interested to see what who they do cast as Doctor Doom. So, yeah, that's been an interesting couple of hours, let's just say that. But I thought I should get something on record right now so that it is here. Um, mainly because otherwise we will get to Tuesday next week when I'll be busy sitting here recording the next podcast and i'll be like oh i didn't mention pedro's don't read oh he's gonna have some long arms don't he oh god i'm so sorry um i should not be doing this this is this is meant to be a serious film podcast but it is because i've talked about my concerns about it as a normal fan as a pedro holic uh pascalita i should be sitting there busy going like this is gonna be one of the greatest films in the world it's gonna be film i most want to watch next year um i have no idea if it will be or not it will probably end up in the top 10 but i don't know whether it will um but we will see um i have hopes based on the fact that it is um pascal and kirby and neither of them you know i've watched the great wall i've watched wonder woman 1984 and it was clearly the best part of either of them <laughs> You know, I've watched We Could Be Heroes, and that is shocking. I know it's for kids, but the best part of that film is anything Marcus Moreno does. And I've watched that drunk, sober, with kids and without kids. So I've watched it a few times. It's like, okay. So, yeah. Anyhow, this should have been, this should be the back of the episode, but you've now got some um, Fantastic Four and Marvel news. So, yay. And you now also know about the trailers that happened in Super Bowl that I cared about as well. So, happy days. Happy days, peoples. It is time to have a look at the A to Z of physical media, as this is what we do every 
episode. Let's have a quick look and see exactly where we are. A is for Australia. B is for being the ultimate disaster movie. C is for crazy stupid love. D is for the departed. E is for Edge of Tomorrow. F is for Free Guy. G is for Goodwill Hunting. H is for High Rise. I is for the other dogs. J is for Juno. K is for Keeping Mum. L is for The Little Mermaid. M is for Mouse Hunt. N is for Now You See Me Too. O is for One Hour Photo. P is for Prospect. Q is for Pop Star Never Stop Never Stopping for a Q for a Quaver. R is for Retreat. S is for Source Code. T is for Tenet. And U, surprisingly, was the unbearable weight of massive talent. I know, I know. Um, we are going to try and definitely get a V done. Um, the options for V are Vantage Point, Venom, Vice and Vavau. We might get W done. I'm not entirely sure. Maybe because something else has kind of crept into my psyche a little bit of this stuff going on. So we'll try and get W done. Um, there's a few more options for W, but we will definitely get V done within the next fortnight for that. So, yeah, there's not many left. There's V, W, X. Why, Z. Oh, there's five films left from the A to Z of physical media. That is actually a little bit sad. Oh, but yeah, that's how it's going. Um, also, um, this has been quite funny this week. There's been a load of people busy going, oh, I can't get a hold of 28 Days Later on Blu ray or DVD. And it's not on streaming because everyone's purchasing it. Oh, it's just like, this is why you own physical media. And then something disappeared off a streaming service. I'm like, hang on, I was in the middle of watching that. What do you mean you've taken that away? I've got three episodes left to go. It's like, we don't think enough people are watching it on streaming, so we're taking it away for a bit. So I was like, hang on. Huh? So, yeah, your physical media is so important, people. It really, really is. So keep up with your A to Z of physical media. Please do it. God, I'm on a roll with doing stuff in advance because it's a weekly episode and it's here and it's Wednesday. I thought, I'll just have a look at something. I can do the home view for the last week. Happy days, yay. Let's start off with what you watched at home and purchased at home for the last week. Very surprising, number one, because I'm pretty sure about my cinema is still showing it. Normally, I think anyone's been to see it since about the 1st of January, but, you know. Number one is Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Okay. Um, two is Wonka. Three is Wish. Four is The Ballad of Songbirds and Snake. Five is Barbie. Six is Oppenheimer. Seven is Five Nights at Freddy. Eight is Trolls Band Together. Nine is Paw Patrol. And ten is Vermeg 2, The Trench, uh, The Flash. And the Batman re-entered the chart this fortnight. Let's see if there was anything else that re-entered. No Hard Feelings. Blue Beetle. People have been watching DC. Uh, that being said, so did I last week. And one day, one day... Um, which was the film which the new Netflix series is based on has entered the chart for the first time ever in its history, one around halfway, and it's entered at number 40. So it's interesting to see that happened there. Now for your um, cinema viewing. Uh, let's have a look at what came out. Um, number one for week was, um, for week of, what was the week of? Da -da -da -da. It was last weekend. Well, I can easily work it out. Why am I being so stupid? It's because I've had a long walk. It's because of stuff's gone on. Uh, the 9th to the 11th, that's what it is. The 9th to the 11th. Migration was number one, took 2.46 million. Our Girl was at two, taking 994,000. Uh, Iron Claw was the highest new entry, taking 754,000 at three. All Strangers Held Steady, taking 510,000 at four. Peppa Pig Cinema Party, which is not advertised, which looked really odd um, when you saw it, um, was 490,000 at five. Mean Girls took 482,000 at six. Anyone But You took 439,000 at seven. Wonka? Yep, Wonka. <laughs> because guess what? It's second in streaming and home chart and is still in your box office top 10. Wonka took 410,000 at 8. Zone of Interest took 388,000 at 9. And the re release of June took 335,000 at 10. Good on it. Uh, then it was Poor Things, The Holdovers, American Fiction, and The Beekeeper. Um, 
which then finished all that so there's award season she's going on there so that is very interesting to see that that went on there uh so yeah that's what you've all been watching um Ryan Claw, I understand wrestling movies aren't for everyone, which I said last week, um, but that's still a pretty good effort that Ryan Claw took that amount of money. I'm part of that. I just realised that because I went to go see it on a Saturday at a normal human being time. Oh, my God. Ah, I'm part of that 754, 152 quid. Woohoo. So, yeah, you've been watching Migration, Argyle, Wonka, and Aquaman. Now, I have no idea why you're watching Aquaman. I'm guessing you were bored. Maybe, but yeah, you watched Wonka. Good on you. It's time. It is time to talk about what happened at the BAFTAs on Sunday. Yes, it is. This is properly important. A lot of stuff went down because, as I was saying in earlier on in the episode, the BAFTAs can go one of three ways. They can go very standard, they can go British, or they can go batshit crazy. And we were due a batshit crazy version. We've been due one for a little while. They went standard. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing wrong with going standard, but we were expecting a few more. Oh, okay. So, you know. Um, first of all, red carpet. Um, everyone is talking about David Tennant's outfits, which is fair enough. He was a host. He had a red carpet outfit. He then had um, his kilt, and then he had his shiny gold for finale, um, which was nice. Also, um, him and his um, dog um, that he had to look after, that was from Michael Sheen, which is from stage, which a load of people didn't understand, which was quite funny, and to explain that to people. Um, but then Michael Sheen being there and him bringing in Bark Ruffalo, that was that was really funny. I liked that. Um, he was good with his... His monologue was short, but it was all right. Um the red carpet was good in general um it tended to have a lot more of the actual nominees than just the celebrity people that were going to present and do things like that there so that was quite nice for people that were up for things um poor mescal looked good florence Pugh looked amazing but the outfit of the night has to belong to andrew scott who turned up wearing head to toe in bright red and looked fabulous um, Robert Downey Jr. did some twerking on the red carpet and what was quite funny was that Robert Downey Jr. turned up in what Killian Murphy would wear and Killian Murphy turned up in what Robert Downey Jr. would wear to which everyone went, who the, what the fuck? Killian Murphy, for those that don't know, hides. He is the reluctant actor. Killian Murphy is the guy that is bloody good at acting who doesn't want to be a movie star. Killian Murphy is quite happy to sit there do his little press junket and do it for the two days and sit there and do the one press conference and do the one TV show, probably back in Ireland, um, to promote the film and go on Kermo de Mayo and that be it. He does not do press. And now suddenly he is on GQ this month in the UK. And he is also um, in another fashion magazine that's just suddenly like, holy guacamole, Killian Murphy. You look Ah, oh, where have you been hiding? He's suddenly blossoming. He's like, ah, oh. well, I've known about this for years, obviously. Um, and the rest of the world has known about it for about the last eight years. But it's suddenly you're just like, where the hell were you people all those years ago? Why have you all been sitting there going like, ah, recently and not been doing it forever? But yeah, he turned up in what I fully expected Robert Downey Jr. to um, turn up in. So, yeah. So it's for show. Um, we need to talk about the fact that um, someone who was a YouTuber leapt onto the stage and best film was um, handed out. I don't know who it was. Um, the internet's actually being very quiet about it and not actually saying who it was. So I'm guessing they weren't that famous, but that is bad. Also, no one noticed and got them off, which was weird. Um, some very good speeches. Um, we'll get to a couple of them when we get to um, them winning in a minute. Um, the monologue was alright. Sophie Ellis Bexter singing Murder on the Dance Floor was really good. Um, I haven't watched Ted Lasso, um, so I don't know, but I know that guy is good at motivational speaking and he's a comedian. That was good, but it was a bit weird that that was a part of the, that's the TV thing and then that was on there. Um, that being said, Hannah Waddingham singing uh, Time After Time was beautiful. But once again, going back to uh, Ted Lasso being TV and not film, um, 
they didn't include Matthew Perry in their montage, which remember they said, oh, he's going to be part of that. So then why have the TV person um, do the monologue earlier on as that character and not as anyone else? Yeah, it was a bit of a like, oh, okay, yeah, that's that's very weird. Um, so, yeah, that's what happened. Um, it Actually, in actual time, um, obviously um, the rest of the world was busy moaning about, well, the BAFTA's on at the correct time. And the BAFTA started at six and they finished at about 8.15. So, no, before, no, it started at quarter to six and they finished at 8.15 and the thing on TV took two hours and five minutes because it overran, which isn't that bad, which is pretty good. Um, but again, it's still weird that it's kind of this delayed thing and it's put in a weird order. But I did like the fact that we didn't just have all the awards at the end and that they were dotted throughout it, the rest of the awards, which was nice. As much as we didn't get to hear everyone's speeches all the way through, it was like, oh, okay, that's fine. I'm stand up, then that's BBC editing it. Um, but you can, as of um, next, not this Sunday, coming up Sunday after, you can watch the entire thing unedited on BAFTA, which is good. Um, very weird that Fellowship was not the final award of the night. Um, and it also was not presented by Prince William. Um, who was there, um, which is fair enough because he's a patron of the BAFTAs and the British Film Institution, so he should be there, but he didn't present it, which was like, oh, okay. Um, and uh, what's it? Uh, Michael J. Fox um, getting his standing ovation for presenting best film. That was, yeah. That was a bit emotional. It really was. Yeah. So that's before and during. Now for who actually won. Rising Star went to Mia McKenna-Bruce. Um, obviously, she's a lot more well-known than I thought it was because I was pretty sure it was going to Jacob after um, Saltburn. So that's interesting to see what that went now. Uh, British short film went to Jellyfish and the Lobster and British short animation went to Crab Day, both of which you can now watch for free on the BAFTA's channel on YouTube, which is very good to see and hear. Um, the outstanding British debut went to um, Earth Mama for Savannah Leaf, Shirley O'Connor and Mel Bridgian. Um, British, outstanding British film went to Zone of Interest, um, which we all kind of did expect, although we all thought it might have gone to a little bit of sort of bad. Visual effects went to Poor Things, sound went to Zone of Interest, uh, production went to Poor Things, original score went to Oppenheimer, um, hair and makeup, Poor Things, editing, Oppenheimer, you can see a pattern here, costume, Poor Things, cinematography, Oppenheimer. Casting went to the Holdovers, um, film not in the English language, remember, it won Best British Film, went to Zone of Interest, which was like, oh, okay. So they actually had a joke about that when they picked that one up. It's so weird that we've picked up Best British Film and we've best picked up Best um, Film not in an English language. They were a bit confused by that as well, but good on them. Uh, best Documentary went to 20 Days in Mariupol. Um, best Animation went to The Boy and the Heron, um, where they weren't actually there to pick it up. So Andrew Scott just walked off of it and went, this is mine. Bye, bitches. <laughs> good on it. Um, oh, I forgot to say this earlier. Um, Hugh Grant, during his um, speech, when he got onto the stage to present his award, Jenny Umpalumpa, oh, my God, yes. Here is the nominees for director or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. Um, best adapted screenplay went to American Fiction, which was like, okay. That freaked me out a little bit, knowing full well that American Fiction was not up for best picture. I was like, that's weird. Um, best original screenplay went to Anatomy of the Fall which was like, oh, okay. Um, best Actress in a Supporting Role went to Devine Joy Rudolph, Randolph for The Holdovers. Um, she had a brilliant speech about the fact that she never thought she'd ever be thanked by BAFTA for anything in her life, and yet here she was, and that she wasn't just doing it for her, she was doing it for all the other um, single mums and mums that have lost kids families that have lost um kids that were veterans and were in war so talked about that and that was really good and that was quite emotional 
Best Actor went to RDJ, Robert Downey Jr. Um, he used his 90 seconds to talk about his life, which was brilliant. He will get longer at the Oscars, don't worry. Um, it was quite funny. I like the fact that halfway through he ran this one, and I randomly played a guy called Tony for 12 years, which is like, yes. I call Christopher Nolan a dude, which is always a good thing, isn't it? Best Actress went to Emma Stone, who talked about her pronunciation of the word water which to you Americans is water or water or water, but water. Um, and how that the British people just accepted her and making that, which was good. And that she thanked um, uh, Willem Dafoe for trying to make her ugly, even though she was pretty. Um, best actor was the one we were, I was a bit concerned about, or wasn't concerned about, because if it had gone to Paul Giamatti, it would have been absolutely fine. But it went to Killian Murphy finally and he's the first ever irish actor to pick up best actor at the baftas um also he's finally gone a bafta after never getting one for peaky blinders at bloody last um and he said he wanted to thank his nominees and his open homies which was brilliant you know the man that doesn't do anything or say anything suddenly is doing all that so we're crossing a lot that he can get the oscar i'm still not sure he will i'm pretty sure it is because of how oscars vote that it's paul j matty's to lose um but I'd say it's now a level pegging. It all goes down to what they fancy voting for. It really, really does. <laughs> so I want him to win. I want him to win, but there's this nagging in my thing in my brain going like this Paul Giamatti's. I'm like, oh, we'll find out soon. We will find out very soon. Um, best director. I had a cry because it went to Christopher Nolan. I had a cry at the BAFTAs that he won Best Director. What am I going to do when we get to the Oscars and that name is pulled out? I'm just going to sit here and have a bit of a mental breakdown, aren't I? Oh, my man got Best Director. Finally, it's like, yes. Oh, it's just so happy. And he was so humble and he was so gracious to everyone and talking about it. people at them. They weren't about it. it took a whole basically a whole town to make this film and it was a love lesson and it was a passion project and thank you all for going to the cinema sitting there for three hours also christopher nolan this week has sat there and has talked about the fact that he is actually quite grateful for superhero fatigue not for the fact that we now have superhero fatigue but the fact that marvel and dc um had films that came out at the end of each pandemic and during all the different points um for all the different movies and so we're like oh, okay yeah you can go serious and yeah you can go and see that which was suddenly like oh, oh okay and he was actually has said this week that he's grateful for that so well done then considering considering you know there's a scorsese thing about that oh are marvel films actual films and rather just this and that you know it's nice for an actual proper director to sit there and go like no they have their place and i'm happy that they have their place because you know you can't all be Oppenheimer in a world of Wonder Woman. Just to say that. And in a world of Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer picked up Best Picture. And Emma stood there and thanked everyone. And half of them didn't come up on the stage because they just wanted to watch them. They'll have to all go on the stage for the Oscars. Um, but Emma sat there. And the number of people that I've messaged since the BAFTAs that had no idea that Chris and Emma were married and they've got four kids. It's all just like, what the heck? I was like, yeah, that's been the case. They met years, remember donkeys years ago. Like, oh my, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the oldest was there and he looked so proud of his mum and dad. And it was, her speech was lovely as well and it was brilliant. So yeah, that is the list of winners for the BAFTAs. Oppenheimer, who had 13 nominees, won seven. Poor Things That Had 11 nominees, won five. Zone of Interest got three, and The Holdovers got two, and everything else got one or nothing. So yeah, that was what happened at this year's BAFTAs. Um, we now have a bit of a break. We've got um, three and a bit weeks um, until the Oscars. Um, so that will be interesting to see how this now reflects because Oscar voting doesn't actually open until in your world tomorrow. Me Thursday, because it's currently Tuesday. Um, so that can be affected a bit by the Screen Actors Guild. That's the last major one before we get to the Oscars as to what we have. 
Um, but the fact that the BAFTAs is done before voting's open is a sh- quite a big thing because that more, will affect people quite often. They open and then the BAFTAs are that week and then it does that. But we already know that it's not going to have a sudden swing of mind. People will know what they're voting for already. Um, it's only the SAG that can affect them. So that's what happened at the BAFTAs. Um, yeah. I hope you all enjoy that. I did that much quicker than I thought I'd do. I thought I'd be t- sitting there busy going, I'm going to run out of time to talk about BAFTAs. I know that basically I'm going to be practically repeating myself in a couple of weeks' time. Maybe that's why, because it's just getting on the re- Well, yeah. <sighs> yeah, that's what happened at the BAFTAs 2024. It was a standard, um, predictable show. Um, it wasn't that wacky. The skits weren't all over the place, and it... It went all right. It was predictable, and I'm looking forward to the day when the BAFTAs go, you know what, we're going to go batshit crazy again this year because that will be iconic when it does happen.